I'm Freddie from the NFL Academy and you're listening to the Dropback Podcast. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson. Hello everyone, welcome back to The Dropback. I'm your host this week, Joe, and I'm joined as ever by Slew. Hey Joe. Matt. How's it going, Joey? And Stan. Hello, Joe. And as you may be able to tell from the beginning, the little intro we did at the start of the show just then, we've got a very special guest on later on. Uh, Fred Pelling from the NFL Academy joins me and Stan for a nice exclusive little interview about his experience at the NFL Academy. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And also, before we get into sh- to the show, we have a very exciting competition announcement. So we've paired up with How They Drew It Up, who design very high-quality custom-made prints to give away three of said prints as a very special Christmas present or gift or just for yourself. Put it in your own stocking. Why not? Go to our Instagram and you'll be able to see the post that we've made with how they drew it up and just follow the instructions on the post to get involved. They are amazing prints. I think we've all entered ourselves, even though we're not allowed to win, but that's how badly we want them. Collusion. Yeah. Well, it's, it's exciting as well. And also you, you can gain some uh, additional additional draws to the prize if you tag your friends in the post. So uh, keep bear that in mind when you're commenting on that. Yeah, you can tag up to five friends for five extra votes. Yeah, we're doing giveaways now, guys. What What is going on? Like, we're, we're big time. Let's get right into it, fellas, why don't we? Oh, that's good. Um, so, we were all wrong about a lot of things last week. Uh, we had fucking of... self! What? I said, uh, okay, well, we were definitely all wrong about the Bills versus the Hawks. Oh, that doesn't matter. Oh, that doesn't matter, does it? Because like, that's exactly what I was going to bring up just now. So, maybe it does matter, Matt. We were wrong. We all picked the Seahawks for this. A pretty safe bet um, in our in our game of the week last week. Or so and we thought. Matt and I did both just say that it could be a game where Josh Allen gets back into the groove of it. You did vote Seahawks, though. Uh, I said the Bills would score a lot of points. You voted Seahawks, though. You, said, you thought the Seahawks would score more points. I said it would be a shootout. It, it was a relative shootout. Garbage time doesn't count. Okay, well, um, Josh Allen had a ma- an amazing performance. I think we can all agree on that. Over 400 yards and four touchdowns. That's predicted. Well done, Slee. Stop, stop trying to claim small victories every time you lose. Just take your loss like a man, okay? <laughs> anyway, back to the, the Seahawks versus the Bills. Um, what do you guys think of this performance? Like, I know we were all wrong. The, Very Seahaw- wrong, the Seahawks called a, the Seahawks called a really really bizarre game defensively. Uh, Pete oh. Carroll called the highest blitz percentage in the next gen stats era. So that's since like, I think 2015, mm. 2000 maybe 2005, somewhere in that ten year span. But it was incredibly bizarre because he could see it wasn't working, and he just kept persistently going away, going at it. Mm. Josh Allen was just picking apart his defense, finding the holes left over from where the blitzers would have been elsewhere otherwise. And it was just a very un-Pete Carroll game in general. Yeah, he usually doesn't blitz a lot. He trusts his D-line to get there. But what was weird is that, as Stan said, blitzed a lot, but also had his corners bailing at the snap anyway. So huge holes underneath, and Josh Allen just had an easy day. 
Yeah, I mean, the amount of times we saw the corners bail out straight away and give up 10 yards of separation on... You do that with Stefan Diggs, it's never going to end well for or you, I don't think. Or you match Stefan Diggs up against Jamal Adams a few times. Yeah, um, that game in total, I think it was uh, between 30 and 40% of the time they were in man coverage. And considering the current secondary that Seattle have, Pete Cowell had no business at all calling calling a defence like that. He would be much better to sit back in a more conservative, soft zone look. I think for about 30 to 40% of that game, the Seattle Seahawks were sat in, a, um, sat in man coverage as well, which completely did not make sense, considering the lack of quality DBs they have this year. And for like ten percent of that man coverage as well, we're sitting in um, in single high zero. Like they were they were going out in zero blitzes when their DBs were having having trouble. And that is part of the reason for the volume of points that Josh Allen was able to put up in the volume of yards is because the DBs were one on one, and they were just being completely outclassed by the Bills wideouts. Yeah, it was a weird one. Like I can sort of see, in some ways, I can see the logic of it in terms of I think it was Pete Carroll trying to cover the glaring um, issues in his secondary by just sort of going ultra aggressive and trying to put Josh Allen in situations where he didn't have any time. But, it, you know, when it doesn't work for the first half of the game, probably stop doing it, right? Like, if, if you know, fair enough, we'll give it a go. But then when Josh Allen continuously is able to still find a receiver when under pressure and those completions that would go for five or six yards turn into 20, 30 yards, can it and start playing a bit more conservative in the coverage? Is it a bit worrying that this is like the second good team, or at least offense, that we've seen Seattle play this year, and it's their second loss of the season? They played the loss to the Cardinals, who have a good offense, and they lost now to the Bills. Does that worry you going to the playoffs? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's a massive reason why Ken Norton Jr. Large sections of the Seattle fan base have been calling for him to have take to get sacked for the last three or four weeks, like. Their offense has been outstanding, and their defense has just has. It's, it reminds me of that Saints team, um, what the Saints yeah. like for a while when they just you know put up mega points, but always being close games because their defense was like a sieve. I think I, I mean we've had a lot of the Seahawks. I think we do need to praise the Bills' defense for finally showing up there this year. Yeah, they've done something that no one else has been able to do, which is slow down and stop Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I think it also just is a testament to to how well, and we've said this sort of quite a few weeks of this podcast that Josh Allen this year has looked insane, and he's just continued to perform almost to an MVP like standard. Um, obviously, like we mentioned, the the Seahawks uh, defensive backs um, aren't anything to to boast about, bar the obvious one in Jamal Adams, um, but. It's still impressive that despite the blitzing, despite the man coverage, in spite of all that, he, he can even put up numbers like over 400 yards, four touchdowns. I don't think he had any turnovers on the day. I mostly watched on red zone, but he he didn't, did he? No, he didn't. No. Also, when you mentioned Jamal Adams, yeah, but you've got to play to his strength. When they had him blitzing or covering tight ends, he was doing fine. When you, match him, Stephon Diggs. when you match him one-on-one with a slot receiver, he's going to get beaten because at the end of the day, he's a strong safety. Mm. John Brown had a great game as well. <laughs> gotta, gotta give the ex-Raven some love there. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would. He's also yeah, he sitting well. on my bench in my fantasy team. Yeah, you won't finally be able to trade him this week. I don't know. Can you guys remember a win as impressive as this for the Buffalo Bills? Because what it seems to be the last couple of years is that they've struggled to beat any fellow competitors. I don't. It seemed like a bit of a statement win for them. Mm.
had a very exciting game uh, with our res- two of our resident teams here, the Dolphins versus the Cardinals game. A surprising win for the Dolphins, I would say. Can we just hear each of them do their side of it? I don't think that we need to say anything at the moment. Yeah, we really we can just sit back and watch, really. I, I would let Stan go. The Dolphins first. are the best coach team in the NFL. I don't think it's even close. Now you see why I wanted Stan to go first. No, I'm being serious. Yeah, I'll, I'll do both of our sides of things here. But no, the Dolphins are an incredibly well coached team. Tua is everything that we expected him to be coming out as a rookie. And Cliff Kingsbury called a good game, I think, over the whole. Except there were just a few. There was there was a few. There were a few plays he called that were quite questionable. Namely, his fourth and inches inside zone run out of a pistol formation 13 personnel i love that this is the fourth time you've mentioned this since sunday that's how worked up about it you are so he's so vexed i have mentioned it quite a few times um and the fact zane gonzalez missed a 48 yard field goal when he's hit from like 56 57 yeah but 48 is still difficult to make no it's not he missed short it was completely pinpoint accurate right down the middle right down center field and he just it he shouldn't have short. even been taking it. You should have had the clip yeah. of the balls for go for it. Fourth and one, two minutes left. Yeah, fourth and one when Kyler Murray's had all, all the success in the world on the ground that day. All you need is just to go run run that read option and you're, you're pretty much guaranteed success, I think it's safe to say. But no, the, the Dolphins were the better team down the stretch. I think Kyler made an early mistake early on as well with the, with the fumble that got scooped up and scored. Without Obviously, without that without that play, we, we would have won the game, but it's just those little things we've got to clean up. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think you made quite a few good points there, Stan. I mean, from watching it from the Dolphins sideline, um, it was this is the first time that I've probably watched a full Kyler Murray game this season. I've seen snippets, um, but this is probably the first time where I've sat for the whole game and, and watched Kyler Murray, and he is so fucking hard to tackle. It's a joke. The amount of times we had a free rusher on Kyler Murray and you know Brian Flores schemed a good a, a really good game plan and had free blitzes coming on Kyler Murray. Jerome Baker was spying him half of the game. He he just walked past them. I, I was I was I was just gobsmacked. I was like, oh sure, this is a stonewall sack. And then he's like, oh no, it's gone for 30 yards the other way. Like honestly, it was so frustrating. But I mean, yeah, positives for the Dolphins, obviously, Tua looked fantastic. Um a few sort of questionable rookie moments, but you you would expect that. Um, I think the plays that he made with his legs were very unexpected and very very important in terms of answering those mobility and and injury questions. That one run he had, uh, what was it? Was it in the third or fourth quarter where he escaped a certain sack, kind of did a spin off, and then made the first down? That was ridiculous. And then he, he coupled that up with the with the touchdown toss on like the very next play as well. That got me really excited for Tua because at the, in the first quarter you were kind of saying you weren't sure he needs to throw away the ball more and everything like that. And it seemed like he just warmed up as the game went on. I would be very excited if I was a Dolphins fan right now, though. Um, I think this defense, it, obviously the the high the high scoring defense in the league at the moment, it can sort of turn a whole game that's the second week in a row you've had a defensive touchdown so that that changes the game in itself when you can score a defensive touchdown it, it completely flips the game on its head you know you're you're not why are you looking at me like that <laughs> slew <laughs> all right i mean it, it didn't really it didn't really flip the game on its head it was right at the beginning of the game yeah but it, do- it does because it sets the precedent that you know it's not just your offense that, that can do damage now the the, the difference between this Miami defense from last year to this year 
is like ridiculous. Um, the the free agent acquisitions that Chris Greer's made, uh, you know, I mentioned it to you guys uh, on the day on Sunday, how impressive Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba have been. Two free agent signings, which, you know, on the face of things, they're not like massive household names. You know, they're, they're two solid players that have, that have played well in, in spots in their previous places. But, you know, they're not going to, you know, blow the doors off the team. But they've been fantastic. They've been so consistent. And I think as a unit, that Miami unit has been so consistent. And it, even the improvement from our run defence from early on in the season, um, I go back to the Patriots game where we got absolutely destroyed on the run. And now our run defence has been way, way better. Obviously, the, the, the fourth and short stop on Chase Edmonds wasn't a great play call. I 100% agree. But, you know, that's the sort of play that I wouldn't have backed this defence to be able to, to come up with. Um, Kyler Murray gave him a tough time we, I think there's still some adjustment they need to do in terms of coming up against mobile quarterbacks um, but then again Kyler Murray has been playing at a ridiculously elite level and it's not the first defence that he's given nightmares with the running ability yeah, so, I won't beat yourself yeah. up on that one to be honest with you because the way the way Kyler Murray run, runs his agility his speed his ability to just turn on a dime he's, he causes every single defence nightmares and that's not me being biased at all I don't think there's a way you can game plan for him in the same way that you can game plan for Lamar Jackson. Mm. Um, just on note of both of these teams, do you what do we think about... I mean, I personally feel like these two teams are both contenders. They're both going to make the playoffs this year. And that's diff- it's weird to say that about the Dolphins, you know, but and the, the Dolphins coming out with a big win. Um, yeah, the, the Cardinals, I thought this year with DeAndre Hopkins addition there I, I thought and the improvements you made on defense that they would definitely have a shot but to think that the Dolphins I legitimately think I don't think they'll win the division I think the Bills have got the division kind of you know locked up there mm. but I do think that with the expanded playoff picture they're going to make they're going to be one of the playoffs teams this year and that's that's really exciting for me you know because I want to see what this team can do in the playoffs I mean as a neutral before they both say that yes obviously their teams are making the playoffs I, I, oh, yeah. see. I think um, I think they've both got a really good chance of making the playoffs. I don't think either of them are contenders at this point, as in for a Super Bowl. No. Cardinals year is next year. The last year of Kyler Murray's rookie contract. That's the year we we push for free, free agents. Is it? And Not like you push for yeah, it's just for, DeAndre it's Hopkins year next year. or anything this year. Yeah, it's next year. year. So it's only a second year, mate. Oh, shite. And then you'll probably pick up the fifth year option, won't you? Yeah, but that, no, the fifth year option you have to pay them as a top five quarterback in their cat in the in the league. Which would be know, a lot. That'd be a that would be if you were yeah, giving you them a franchise tag on after the fifth year. I thought no, I thought fifth year option was that was no fifth year is just an extension of the it's like worked out with the no four, fifth year is a no, stonking fifth amount. A decent amount, but it's not as much as they would get if it is higher, but it's not it's not massive. Shit, Madden's been Madden's been lying to me. Madden's been charging <laughs> you 30 million for the fifth year on Kyler Murray. Yeah. This is why you don't buy Madden, lads. Oh, I didn't. I've been playing, I'm still playing Madden 20 at the moment. It's the same game, so well, there's oh, nothing oh, different there. I always turn it off mid-game anyway because it's just a ridiculously bad you're game. you're losing. But... No, it's, the zone, it's the zone runs, I'm telling you. It's, like, it's the fact that double teams block. So just don't, they just don't bother to move up. The blocking in that game. Power, power plays work yeah. on this new Madden a little bit, though. and But you're right. They don't, it doesn't oh, bloody move off his block to go and get the backer. Anyway, not the, po- not the point. 
it's irrelevant anyway because we're not talking about Madden. We're talking about an actual game. Um, but actual just sports. going on from what Slu mentioned just then, I think yeah, they are going to make the playoffs. I don't think um, I don't think they have much of a chance of winning winning that first game. Cardinals, I could see potentially winning, especially if that they first match up game. with the Eagles. Yeah. W- We'll make it to the divisional round, but no further. Divisional round will be alright. I think they're just they were just significantly yeah. better teams in both conferences, and that's no slight. Seeing mm. as though yeah. Cardinals, yeah, you're expected to compete. I don't think you're there yet. You've got another year. I mean, with the Dolphins, it was just let's see what we've got at the moment, kind of thing, and it's a lot. It turns out. Yeah, like yeah. on the Nat Coombs podcast we did, we were openly talking about this is a year off for the Dolphins, and look at look at the team a few weeks down the line. Like we're we're talking about playoff contention, so <laughs> no, no years off, mate. No years off. The great thing about, I mean, from a Dolphins fan, the great thing about this is I completely agree with with you with both of you about I don't think the Dolphins are going to make a deep playoff one mm-hmm. run, right? Um, but the great thing is we don't have to. We can still have a, a oh, great rebuild pick, year and make a playoff dive because, because of that Texans pick, because of the other picks we've accumulated, accumulated early in the first two rounds. It's all house money. Exactly. And, and I mean, Slew spoke about last week um, or, or, or two weeks ago about if Philadelphia make the playoffs, it might not be the best thing for them because it does drop you back further in the first round. Um and like I said, you're not, they're not going to go in. They, I don't think Lou or any other Eagles fan. Okay, they're going to go make a really deep playoff run if they do the division. <laughs> no. All right, well, but um, but Miami are in that unique situation where they've got a free stab at it, and, and it's not going to affect their draft place, which is, I think is so unique. And I mean, both the teams, both the, both the Cardinals and the Dolphins, are I think the, probably the two youngest and, and most sort of up-and-coming teams in the league and they're st- sort of still mid-rebuild but also playing really well and I think I mean obviously me and Stan are biased but from a neutral perspective as well people have been saying that they're exciting franchises to to watch again which is big difference from the older Matt Moore and Jay Cully is. I'll tell you what I've, I've not been disappointed in watching a single Cardinals game it's every oh, single card, win or lose <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> I'm not, uh, not watching as a, a completely unbiased uh, NFL fan rather than Cardinals fan. I can look at a Cardinals game and it's always going to be fun. You know, I'm going to be able to see Kyler Murray strut his stuff, do that s- stupid little run when he wiggles his arms and runs really quick out of nowhere and has that ridiculous burst of speed and just gets so away from people. Um, that flick of the wrist where he can, you know, absolutely bomb it. Just as as a sorry i had to just stand for, for our listeners stand just did a little uh little arm throwing motion so i had to just hit him with this <laughs> anyway uh yeah but it's a very two exciting teams to watch this year really mm. bins up bins up um moving on to uh, a weird team to watch is the cowboys uh versus the afc north's Leaders and AFC leaders, Steelers, and NFL leaders, NFL leaders. Yeah. So, for the sitting at eight and zero for the first time in Steelers history, uh, this year's team, um, but with a very weird, disappointing performance. Um, the Cowboys were leading for large chunks of that game, kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. There, 
Um, and basically, like Stan had mentioned this, I think, in one of our DMs, but um, losing to an XFL quarterback AAF, <laughs> effectively. Orlando Apollo's AAF quarterback, Garrett Gilbert. Yeah. So what, what do you guys think about this? Do you think the Steelers can be serious contenders this year yeah, for the Super Bowl? They're serious contenders, but I was talking to another another football page about this. And the fact they've managed to get to 8-0 is kind of ridiculous considering they, they struggle to beat they struggled to beat opposition teams by more than a score. I'm not yeah. saying they're not one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team, mm. but their offense doesn't scare me in the same way that I'd be terrified to go up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs or one exactly. or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I just, yeah. I, I don't buy the Steelers completely. And I'm not saying they can't make a deep playoff run, but the, don't let the fact that they're 8-0 fool you into thinking that they are the best team in the league. I think they're an AFC championship team. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. I think they're going to lose. They yeah. they will lose 100% of the time to to the Chiefs in yeah. the AFC championship. And that's because of their offense. I, I I mean, this defense has been unstoppable this year. It's That has been what I, I personally, as a Ravens fan, going, going up against the Steelers a few weeks back, I was scared about their defense. Their defensive front is amazing. Uh, their defensive backs, uh, Joe Hayden's been playing reborn, like Joe Hayden of of old, of like prime Joe Hayden. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick has really, you know, taken taken a shine to to that Steelers team that they love him, uh, and he's really he's really playing his heart out there uh, just to to piss Matt off mostly. I, I've been saying <laughs> that's his main motivation. Comment. Yeah, Stephen Tuitt as well on that defensive line and that whole defensive front in general. Uh, J. Uh, the T.J. Watt, um, they've just been impeccable this year, and that's what what I think is is really driving this Steelers to an eight and zero start. I, I I don't, and we've said this a few times this year, but that that, that Steelers offense is nothing to sh- scream scream and shout about. It's it's a serviceable team. They've got very physical players. But when I look at James Conner breaking breaking out a run, he's not the most exciting running back I see. I'm seeing he's not, you know, you know. Um, run for like forty yards versus one of the rush, worst. Cowboys did play a completely NFL. different rush defense. To be fair, they put a lot more guys inside, mm. and James Conner isn't an outside guy. Uh, that's and to be honest, they were chasing the game as well. I take a different view of this, and I think you guys do. I think it. Basically, they had an off day, and that's fine. That will happen to every team at some point in the season. What's impressive... Yeah, the QB got QB hurt. Got hurt. What happened is even though they had an off day, nothing was going right. They still managed to go into Dallas and get a win from behind. I think I don't think you can understate how impressive it is to win when you're playing badly. We always talk about how on any given Sunday in the NFL, anyone can beat anyone, and it may be a bit of cliche, but the fact that the Steelers haven't lost yet and don't slip up in games like this, I think that's a sign of championship teams. I don't know. This this and, and you're right, you're, and you're right. That, that Steelers offense isn't explosive. But whenever they need a play, they seem to get one. We saw it against Baltimore. Every mm. time they were seemed to be a little bit short, they pushed over the line. In this game, when it looked like it was out of hand, they went on a scoring drive. I think they're really impressive. Yeah, they're they're a very well coached team. But whether they had a bad day or not, whether the Cowboys changed up their rush defence, the fact that you're only beating the Dallas Cowboys in this era, where they're literally using a third or fourth string quarterback, they've got half, they've got massive injuries, they've got massive holes in their roster, and you're only beating them by a single score. Like, obviously, a win's a win. You can't understate the value of that. But it just, it just smells a little bit fishy to me. 
I um, I mean, I I was going to say, I think the when you look at this game, um, it's kind of a you know for the Steelers, it, nothing good could have come from this game, right? If if they go in and beat and beat Dallas convincingly, everyone's like, oh, well done, you've been Dallas, who have been a shadow of them, their former sales and one of the worst teams in the league in recent weeks. If they go in and lose to Dallas, then you've got the old, wow, you've gone all this time unbeaten and then you lose to a, a team like Dallas, that serious question marks over you. So it was very much a banana skin game and it did sort of feel like that in that, uh, you know, Dallas played with a lot of freedom. They we, they came up with some sort of goofy special teams plays that, that broke big and stuff like that. Like you could see that for Dallas, it was very much like if we get beaten by the unbeaten team in, in the league, then so what like they had nothing to lose from the game and they played with that freedom especially in the first half I think for the Steelers there was that mental side of it in terms of it's one of those situations where you're expected to win easily and when things start off not going very well for you it can sort of snowball and like Slew said they they stopped it from snowballing and managed to sort of rectify it in the end I say in the game in the game as a vacuum it's not a great look I think it's just more what that win means for them going forwards I think was impressive. Yeah, going back off what uh, Matt just said, but the Steelers have had a historical um, showing against uh, against bad teams uh, of playing down to their competition. They've done it for years. They they played down to the Eagles as well this year, um, it, and it's been like this ever since the Steelers have been contenders uh, years running. That they they just don't play as well against teams that they should beat quite handedly. And it, maybe it is that mental thing. Apart from the Bengals and the Browns, so they enjoy smacking yeah. to pieces. Yeah. They take free hits out of those two. So, as, as mentioned at the start of the show, we I have a very exciting interview, which we are going to cut to now with Fred Pelling from the NFL Academy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Drop Back. I'm Joe, and I'm joined by Stan, my co-host. Hi, Joe. Hi, mate. And a very special guest today: offensive tackle prospect from the NFL Academy class of 2021, Freddie Pelling. Thanks for having me, guys. It's lovely to have you here. Um, and just a bit of context for our listeners who may not be up to speed with the NFL Academy, alongside the NFL International Pathway Program, the NFL put forward a academy which basically helps scout international talent around the world, but specifically more the UK and Europe around the ages of 15 to 18, uh, to sort of give them more a, a clearer path towards uh, college football and eventually the NFL. So speaking of which, Freddie, so... What was the trial experience like? Well, we had uh, two stages of trials. There were the open trials, which happened in, I think, June. And mm -hmm. we went down to the fields by New River in North London. And we did broad jumps, vertical jump, shuttle, and the 40-yard dash. And I had a great time there. Uh, I got to know Christian Scott and Williamson, the, uh, the, the Steelers tight end, also from the UK. Mm -hmm. And then I think... I think it was 150 of the original 1500 or so were invited to the second stage of trials, which happened at the uh, the new Tottenham Hotspur ground uh, about a month later. And then of that 150, they whittled it down to 80 uh, for the inaugural class. Wow. 
so the the first sort of trial was kind of like a traditional sort of combine yeah. experience did anything change with the did anything change with the second trial uh there were a few more cameras and a, a few nfl players but it was the same it was the same drills so any other notable names other than uh, uh well uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr was at the was at the first leg of the first trials which I wasn't at and then at uh, Tottenham there were loads of guys Juju came along FA Abada uh Cameron Brates I think from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Nate Burleson Christian Wade I'm just sure there were some more uh Alexander Alexander Gray he he came yeah. down so yeah, there are lots of faces there. It was uh, good to have some NFL players down to kind of support it and spread the word for it a bit. Yeah. And those are the kind of players as well that um, I guess are kind of the inspiration for a lot of people playing in the UK. It was uh, definitely awesome to have them there and sort of support the program. Yeah. Um, speaking of FA Abada, does he, he's got quite a tight-knit, not control, but uh, he's very involved with the whole NFL Academy process, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He came down to uh, one of our sessions uh, last year, and the uh, the offensive line we were we had a few guys injured, so we were we were kind of kind of running uh, with reduced numbers for a bit. And because FA was there, the defense were going crazy, and the D line were kind of frothing at the mouth with excitement to try and uh, make some plays. So uh, yeah, he really kind of pet the atmosphere up when he came down. That's awesome. awesome, especially especially a guy with his story. Yeah, an in, in inspiration for you to just to just have him in the building, essentially. Yeah, he was he was great, kind of uh, with the guys afterwards, having a joke and a good time, photos and that kind of thing. Yeah, he's the sort of guy you want on your side, FA. Mm. Um, you also had Jerry Rice come to visit. What was that like? Yeah, uh, the Jerry Rice visit was really cool. Yeah, we had a great talk with him uh, in one of our character development sessions. I mean, it's Jerry Rice. He's the, the greatest player of all time. It was, <laughs> it was so cool. And it, he actually brought down his uh, Hall of Fame ring and passed oh. it around the room. And we got to try it on. And that was uh, having this massive glob of gold and jewel on your, on your hand. It was really surreal. That's all the motivation you need at the end of the day, isn't it? Sorry, what was that? That's all the motivation you need at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, a Hall of Famer, greatest of all time. It's, it's as good as it gets, really. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely would have just stolen it and run out of the stadium. <laughs> Uh, um, so what sort of previous experience did you have with the game before the whole NFL Academy trials well I played for two seasons uh, with five man football playing kind of tournaments with kind of other local-ish teams with the, uh, the Bedford Blackhawks oh okay so uh, started, started with them so yeah that was my introduction to football and it was a great time it was great coaches and I really enjoyed playing with those guys what position were you um, playing in five-on-five football? Because I understand at under-17 level, yeah. centre's eligible. So I'm, I'm assuming you were like a sort of centre. I played everywhere apart from quarterback and safety. Oh. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, they kind of just put me into a bit of a bull in the, bit of bull in the china shop kind of thing. Yeah. Just cause havoc. We love just, that. Awesome. Just for um, context, guys, uh, Freddie is standing at six foot eight. You know, that's um, pretty mental considering our own co-host, Stan, is probably the tallest person I know at six foot seven. Um, And obviously, like you mentioned, he plays offensive tackle at the moment. But that actually kind of leads on to some of the the fan questions. I was going to do these at the end, but now you mentioned it. um, What was your... So this one comes in from Wright31 on Instagram. He asked, what was your favorite memory during the five-on-five days? 
Favourite memory of the five on five? Um, probably the feeling that you had the potential. I mean, it's the, the feeling that you can make a play all the time. Because yeah. one player in that, it's only five players, one guy can have the potential to cause a lot of damage. So yeah, you, always, you always had the chance to, to make a play for your team. And, you know, when you make a lot of plays, you have fun. That's what it's all about. Yeah, really. Exactly. Yeah. So the pitches are a lot smaller. There's more space as well. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I love playing offensive line, but I'm not going to score a game winning touchdown, am I? Exactly. <laughs> Don't know. Have, have you, did you score any touchdowns? Did you have any? Uh, in, you five five. Cool. In, in five on five. On five on five. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another one we got in from a fan as well. Kind of, you mentioned that um, you that you played for Bedford and obviously now you're sort of in... How does Barnet compare to, to Bedford, would you say? What, as a town? Yeah, as a place. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of... It's London, really. So it's yeah. fairly different from... Uh, it's a bit more busy and louder than... Uh, leafy bedfordshire but uh, yeah it's nice it's a nice place to to live really so another thing as well this is kind of interesting that obviously the times we're living in at the moment very strange for everyone with the whole training schedule and everything i just wanted to get your account of uh what the training schedule was obviously you i think it was september that you joined the nfl academy september 2019 yeah, so you've had the kind of experience of the training and study schedule before COVID and then how that sort of changed with uh, obviously the government restrictions and everything like that. So what is it like before compared to afterwards? Before I was really learning to play off in offensive line and 11-man football in kind of detail and mastering or learning the technique. Uh, so we spent a few months doing that in the kind of autumn of 2019. And then uh, we started going into, you know, we were wearing pads and uh, hitting each other in kind of team, team-based scenarios, inside run, which is offensive line, def- defensive line, linebacks and running backs, kind of just practicing run plays. And uh, then a one-on-one pass pros uh, against the D-line. So training was quite full-on and there was a, a good amount of uh, impact, which is nice. Uh, and then during the, on, during the lockdown, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a, a bit of a weights bench uh, at home so uh, a lot of uh, bench pressing and weightlifting nice. going on and uh, we'd have calls frequently uh, with our offensive line group and so we'd uh, kind of have homework the coach would set us uh, film ourselves doing certain drills so he could uh, make sure that our technique was still developing and we'd go over them and we'd watch uh, shed coaching clinics from some offensive line coaches in the States or in college programs. So it was, uh, it was good to keep involved and keep up with it. That's awesome. And also, I imagine it's massively affected the whole recru- recruiting process for you as well, because with this new season upon, a, upon you, the second season of the NFL Academy, I'm sure they would have hoped to get some games in against some other teams. And of course, yeah, of course. Get, get that game film in to send off to these colleges and high schools. Yeah, that's looking, that's looking like something that's happening after Christmas. Once uh, this lockdown's over, we can prepare a bit in a team environment and then hopefully go to some games in uh, kind of late winter, early spring. What sort of teams would you be aiming to play? Would it be the likes of the Filton Pride or would it be a local Baffer team or a local Bucks team? Uh, pretty much any any team across Europe. 
top of a uh, kind of high school ages really. So uh, the Dodds League, I think maybe I'm not certain, but these kind of the names I've heard floated around. Uh, there's academies in Sweden and across Europe. So yeah, kind of similar high school age teams. Awesome stuff. Um, just going back to the, the the training. So what what sort of was your I guess day in a life um, experience with the training program? I guess before COVID, when it was more full on. So uh, a typical, so say, Tuesday, uh, I'd be up uh, fairly early. Lessons in Barnet all morning, uh, A-levels. And then we'd get the bus across to Southgate where we'd spend about 45 minutes watching practice film from the previous week and previous day. Just uh, critiquing our movements, our blocks, that kind of thing. And we'd uh, go over the playbook, look at some new plays that we're going to be putting in, in installs in the... In the, in the near future and then we'd be across to New River which is our practice facility and we'd have uh, you know about two hours practice uh, which is good and then back to Southgate where our gym is and then we would lift in the gym for an hour or some guys that were injured they'd have treatment and then I'd be back to my uh, homestay uh, for more film and homework awesome. so pretty full-on day really it's good to see that they incorporate the study aspect of it as well. It's, it's very important that obviously not alone. Um, that's not your only path into uh, getting into college football and the NFL, the, the grades are important as well. And that's something I've seen from a lot of um, NFL Academy YouTube videos and that they do really stress, you know, getting those, uh, your, your GPA up as well. Yeah, that's, uh, they've really put, put importance on making sure that we're academically eligible and yeah. a good GPA can boost your recruiting profile uh, in some cases. So, uh, yeah, it's really important. And they, you know, the reality of it is not everyone is, is going to play professional football. So yeah. once you've, once you finish university and you need to obviously work your way through that with the academics, you need to get a job in the real world. So yeah, the academics, football doesn't last forever is what we're yeah. told. You've got to think of something to do afterwards. That's a very mature answer there, Freddie. Very, very impressed. Um, Stan, I think you, you, you wanted to go into more of the college um, aspect of the game, didn't you? Yeah, so for the college aspect of the game, obviously, first of all, congratulations. You received a Div- Division One offer from the University of Akron, Ohio. Woo! What, what is that like? That must be like an absolutely amazing feeling because I, I saw back, a couple, I think it was like a year ago, the NFL Academy... You were eyeing up that Div 1 offer, and yeah. now you've got it. What's yeah. that like? It was euphoric, really. I was on holiday at the time, and uh, the call came in, and they told me that you know, I got my first D1 offer, and I was I was really happy. Uh, I went surfing and uh, just had a really good, really good rest of the holiday, just ecstatic with my with my offer, and that finally some of the the work had started to pay off, and you know, I was going places. Awesome, that's absolutely brilliant stuff. That's the, it was even more impressive about that is the fact that you don't have any actual proper 11-11 game film outside of the closed environment of the NFL Academy. So to get that D1 offer with essentially just practice film, well done, mate. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's incredible, honestly. Doing it. You're, you're doing it for the, the people, us across the pond, you know. You Putting know. the word out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Doing us proud. It. Next up. Any other colleges potentially interested? Do you think there is scope for you to gain more offers before before the deadline? Or is that kind of out of reach now because of maybe the lack of game film? Uh, I'd, 
100% be looking to gain more offers. Hopefully with the games that we, we will be playing in the spring, I'll be able to get some, some good quality film from that. And I'll put, put together a highlight reel off the back of that. And uh, hopefully that will really push my name out more and give me some, some good game film. And hopefully a lot more offers will come in off the back of that. And if needs be, I'll be able to play the 2021 autumn season in the academy and then go to early signing and prepare for spring ball in January to a college. What, in okay. So you can reclassify essentially? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because I um, I checked your name on the uh, Europe's Elite site and you were listed as a 2022 prospect. Yeah, I could I could go either year and my eligibility clock would still be the same. That's awesome. That's good. That's that's really helpful, especially in these sort of times. Yeah, time's on my side. Thank you. Yeah. Is there any particular NFL player that you maybe model your game after or you look up, look up to? Maybe another offensive tackle? I love watching Taylor Luan. Yeah, he's, he's a great really, bloke as well. Yeah, an aggressive pass blocker. Doesn't doesn't let the DNs get away with it. Punishes them when they when they give him a chance to. And uh, a great teammate and a great great player. Yeah, because I know that's one thing you're massively passionate about, smashing linebackers. <laughs> a few things are finer in life. <laughs> awesome. Unfortunately, you know, we've, we've only got about a 20, 25 minute slot here to stick you in at the end, end of the podcast, but it's been amazing talking to you, Freddie. I really do think, you know, that was the first of many offers you're going to get here. And like you said, there'll be plenty of games hopefully coming up in the future. Any any parting points, Dan? Uh, no, just thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the podcast, yeah. and just best of luck of the future. You've got the prototypical offensive tackle frame, so yeah, just go for it, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Doing us proud. Doing us proud. Thanks so much, and back to you in the studio. Thanks so much again to Fred Pelling from the NFL Academy for doing that interview with myself and Stan. I've lost a bit of hair since that interview, but you know, that's just because of the stress mostly. <laughs> what? The stress of so not editing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Slew, I believe you've got some game picks for us. I do, and it's all turned on its head this week. Not for oh. Joe. Joe took a really bold move and predicted a Jets win, which almost worked out for him. Then they did, then they did yeah. Jets. But has sent him, move. but has actually sent him to the bottom of the ratings. Mm. Tied with me at 83, 48 and 1. Stan still in second, 84, 47 and 1. And surging from worst to first is Matt, 85, 46 Oh my and one. God. So it's exactly the same margin of error, but it's literally... I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to text my mum. Lisa deserves to know. (laughs) Now, it's a big week for Matt. All of his picks came up pretty much. And the only one... I think the only only ones he went got wrong were ones we all did wrong. The the Seahawks. So it was the Bills, the Bucks, and I'm trying to think what other upset were there... Well, he went with the Dolphins, which would have been what he got. No, it was the it was the uh, Chargers losing to uh, the Raiders. Okay. Those three, which we all went with, so those were three Matt got wrong. Well, congratulations, Matt. Congratulations, yeah, Matt. What are you going to do with the winnings? He's going to eat them because you're going to give him a sandwich because you you're, you're uh, not winning. Yeah, you're all getting a sandwich. I forgot about that. Yes, sir. 
Oh, did you, did you not heard about this? Oh, no, I was there. I swear I was there. No, this no, you weren't. Oh, no, I listened to it. I heard it. I was listening to it. I heard... There you go. downloaded it because that's how we can I did. tell. I, did da- I downloaded it and I listened to it not when I was out on the dog walk. downloaded the podcast. That's amazing. It's great support from you, Steve. Yeah, so I, I, it's a strange, really strange move from Joe to say if he doesn't win, he'll buy it on a sandwich and then pick the Jets to win a game in the same week. History wasn't made had a pretty loose weekend, by people Joe, not taking risks, Sloop. How about that? I feel you're butchering that quote, but I appreciate it. It's my quote, so I can butcher whatever I want. <laughs> I can't butcher it. It came from me. That's some Joey genius for you. That said no one ever. <laughs> said me just now. Moving on to our game of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Drop back game of the week as voted by our fans and Matt's various accounts that he used. <laughs> to rig the election it is the dolphins versus the chargers uh battle of the young qbs here with Tua's second uh well third actual start um against justin herbert who's looked very impressive this year but failed to get a win in the big games what do you what do you fellas think about this game who wants to start open the floor i feel i feel because matt forces into the discussion it should be him yeah the other option was Bills versus Cardinals. I, to be, I mean, to be fair, we did we did put it out to a public vote, and it was very tight. And Matt seems to be and the, the second that instance that of voting over this the week. edge. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry that I work with I work in social media, and I have several accounts. It's not sus, okay? It's not sus, Matt. Those votes were legal. Illegal votes. Charged dolphins. I think um, the dolphins are going to win. I, I mean, I think. Not, not. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I'll do actually. Um, no, I, I, on a serious note, I, I think it will be a really interesting game. Two quarterbacks, obviously rookie quarterbacks. We all had, we've all sort of been made to eat our words ever so slightly around uh, Justin Herbert in terms of. No, I've been no, slow, I, I maybe. I listened to what Slew talking about Herbert. Hey, I, I put a pre, I put a preseason rookie. No, it's Slew. You said it. you can't understand why anyone would draft Justin Herbert, and that is your quote from the podcast. No, I don't. I don't think that that is still quote. I, I mean, I, I think I was either blackmailed or you're lying, but. <laughs> but anyway, whatever's happened, Justin Herbert's looked fantastic. Um, and obviously, massive game for two last week against the Cardinals. It will be very interesting to one, see how Justin Herbert copes with uh, the Miami secondary, which has been much improved this season. Um, but also, the Chargers have a, have a very sort of well-rounded defense as well maybe missing a few key styles obviously Derm James is a huge miss um they no longer have Desmond King but still a very good unit I think it'll be very, really interesting to see um how this one goes but I do think the Dolphins will win simply because that secondary I think will give Herbert a a, a, a test that maybe you know he obviously they haven't got a win yet but they haven't played against top top secondaries yet and i do believe that miami the miami secondary is a top secondary and the other thing is the run game I, the the total lack of a run game from the Chargers at the moment they they Kalen Blarge got lots of meaningful touches and they got bumped straight he got bumped straight back down to the practice squad afterwards how how's your exactly. running game so, <laughs> our running game is uh, none of your fucking business mate. to be honest but, uh, in his prime um yeah 
It will. It will be interesting. It will be interesting. They are. There are two teams there that obviously are dealing with some injuries in the in the running back department, and so maybe we're going to see a bit of a shootout or a lot of end arounds to Jakeem Grant. Either way, what what a win win. Yeah. Um. On the topic of the run game, I think that yeah, the Chargers really struggled last week with the loss of Justin Jackson. He um he left the game early on. If he's back this week, that could potentially help. Then you've got um. Josh Kelly as well. Yeah, he, he should be back, really. He wasn't available to come back into the game, but there was speculation that he could have, so that shows his injury perhaps wasn't that huge. Wait, so Balaj is back on the practice squad? Yep, straight back down. He, he yeah. had a decent game. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for your fucking time, Kate. Get right back down there with the bloody idiots. <laughs> Bit of an unrelated question. Does anyone know when Austin Eckler's going to be back? For a few more weeks. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Justin Jackson has had some good performances though for the Chargers, week, so I hope he's one hundred percent coming into this game. It'll be an interesting matchup. They just haven't found one, either Josh Kelly, Jackson, or Balage that they can rely on week after week. It always seems to be a different one that they're forcing to go to. That's uh, why they need Eckler back. That's what I was asking. Also, yeah. the Chargers find a tighter way to lose every single week. Uh, it's getting ridiculous now how how tough these are getting because Herbert's playing enough yeah. well enough to win games. The defense isn't being shredded at all, so it's just bizarre that they haven't managed to pick up a win yet. Really, it's just a very Chargers thing. Mm. Yeah, it's very Falcons esque. Yeah. It is a little bit, but I mean, this is why I, I I feel it is a bit of a tough one to predict because, as you said, that Chargers roster is a good roster. It's they've got a good defense, they've got a good offense, they've got a rookie QB who's really really impressed. They should be winning games, but they're somehow not. Um, that's what we say about the charge every single season, though. And um, well, usually it's injuries, right? Usually they're absolutely decimated with you know having. Well, started running yeah. back, started Derwin James. So. Yeah, Derwin James. But they've been without they've been without James all season. This and yeah. for the past few weeks, they're still playing well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I just want to get in there and state my claim. I'm back in the Dolphins this week after what I saw last week. What I've seen in pro- previous weeks, and I reiterate what I said earlier about the Dolphins being one of the best coach teams in the league, and. Oh. And Anthony Lynn is one of the not best coaches in the league when it comes to game management. Quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, Dolphins got the the better roster, I think, and their defense has been a lot better. So, I'm I'm locking up the Dolphins. Woo! I'm gonna be controversial and say, the of course, you are gonna sneak a win. I think they're well deserved a win here. Okay. Where, where is the game? There. Doesn't matter. Home teams, home teams are literally 50 50 this year. Miami are at home. I add they're also wearing the sweet throwback white uniforms. Keep your eye out. Oh, so Dolphins win. It's got to be a win. Sweet throwback means Dolphins <laughs> got to be a double throwback. Didn't, um, ho- the home team advantage is 52 52 and 1 at yeah. the moment. It's completely negligible it whether you're nothing. at home or away. What's the throwback margin like, for when teams wear TBC to be confirmed? Yeah, do yeah. you read that? Depends if you have Comic Sans on your throwback uniforms or not. Um, well, the Dolphins have that anyways. Rams joke, if you didn't get that, is a Rams one. So uh, Anyway, so uh, I'm going to be a bit weird, a bit out of the loop here and pick charges. I do, like I mentioned, I, I love the I love the Dolphins this year. I just not think enough, Herbert is well well in store for a, for a big win, and I think it could come against this Dolphins team. I, do, I think... You know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both legitimate B 
very good receiving threats and very good for, for a rookie QB like Herbert. And Herbert's just... I just love the man's arm, to be honest. I, I don't have to have any logic behind it. Locks in his beautiful eyes. Don't hold me to logic and analysis. Just let me have my... Does it, does it, Joe, I mean, does I picked the Jets him? last week. I don't need to come out here with facts. Does he let you stroke his arms, Joe? I've got a damn inkling that, you know, it's, what are you talking about stroking his arms? Off? I'm not talking about stroking his arms. Joe is the def- definition of gut feel when it comes to picking results. And it's, it's sometimes right. As our weekly pick em scores would tell you, Joe is. Okay, this, this oh, week was bad. Fair, showing he's gone from second that. to like, I mean, he's dropped one place. It's not like. Exactly. If you really want to play, you know, the biggest fall from Grace here was slew, if anything. Dropping from first to third. I don't think third. there's any debate about it. It's been, it was a poor week, lads. Why not? So, who have you got? Um, TBC. What do you no, mean, that's not an answer. That's boring. What a podcast. Um, Pick someone. It's between... The Chargers and the Dolphins. Dolphins and the Chargers. Inspirational. It's uh, between I think one of these teams is going to be on their game and they'll probably, <laughs> probably come out of the win. I think a rookie quarterback's really going to make his name for himself here. Uh, <laughs> Top level analysis here, Slim. And I think it's going to be a good game. No, get one by. Get off the fence now and pick a team. <laughs> Bottleless. Dolphins. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, That's boring. Now we can boring team. I wanted to go with the Chargers, but I just think the Dolphins are going to be too good. For That's them. the only reason I did. I went with the Chargers because I wanted to. It, did, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> the sort of freedom that Joe lives his life by, Slew. Don't you wish you had that sort of freedom? Yeah, exactly. I do. I could have done it. That sort of wanderlust in your life. Speaking of freedom, all listeners of this podcast are free to go follow us on Instagram at the Dropback on twitter at the dropback on facebook at the dropback uk you can catch up with news articles events daily pickums all that good stuff on the dropback.com or .co.uk whatever you wish stan our boy has just dropped an absolute banger of an article for the top four nfl head coach candidates for next year so if you're interested in that please give it a read at the dropback.com i'd like to thank once again fred pelling from the nfl academy for joining us on the show today Big love for Fred Pelling there. I've been your host, Joe. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. I've been Stan. And until next time, peace. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson. She just went, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm fucking doing the podcast.